Happy Sabbath, Northern Caribbean University. It is so good to be with you here in Mandeville, Jamaica. We left Connecticut and it was already cold. And so we are glad to be with you and with my good friend, your president, uh, Dr. Edwards. He is an amazing man. We met back at Loma Linda University. And um, so it's good to, good to see him and the school thriving here in Jamaica. You are a unique school. I don't know if you all know that. Uh, around the world, there are many Adventist schools, but they're none like this one. And I say that very uh, earnestly and uh, authentically. We travel a lot and preach, and some of our schools are honestly um, not where they used to be. I'll just say it that way. But I know that here in Jamaica and at Northern Caribbean University, you are holding down the fort for the work of God Almighty. So some of you are new students, some of you are maybe even new to the Adventist message. This week, as we go through this week of prayer, we're going to introduce you to many themes and many subjects. Um, I'm going to give my testimony. I made national news in the United States uh, over taking a stand for what we believe. Um, this week I'll share that testimony and we'll go through a lot of interesting subject matter. But I want you to come out every night and, and, and fellowship every day, because some, some of the talks are at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. Um, but come out every day and participate. I look forward to getting to know you. Um, and I want to get right into God's Word. Amen? I'm so happy it's the Sabbath. Um, is this, and many of you know this verse. This know also, that in the last days, perilous times shall come. This know also that in the last days, perilous times shall come. And our message for this evening is entitled, A World in Crisis. A World in Crisis. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for this opportunity to study your word. Lord, I ask you right now, Lord, to just make me a nail on the wall, a rusty, sorry nail, Lord. But upon that nail, I ask that you hang a portrait of Jesus Christ. Lord, let not Eric Walsh be seen or heard. Instead, Father, let us hear a word from the throne room of grace. This is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. So tonight we're going to talk about the condition of the world. We're going to set the stage for this week by looking at what is going on in, on the planet in the world. You heard some of it in the prayer we, um, we looked at, we'll, we'll look at a lot of it as we go through the week. But I want you to know, just to start out, that the world has been in crisis since Adam and Eve fell in the garden. When sin entered the world, trouble entered the world. In fact, Romans 8 and verse 22 says it like this. For we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. Does the, wor does the world groan and travail in pain? Absolutely. In fact, you can tangibly say it happens when there's an earthquake. The next one is John, 1 John 5 and verse 19. It says, and we know that we are of God and the whole world lies in what? In wickedness. Let me tell you something. If you don't learn this lesson young, you'll have a hard life. The world itself is wicked. It's, it's not unique to one country or one neighborhood. The world itself is wicked. 
But I want to turn your attention to the book of Luke, chapter 21. Luke chapter 21 and verse 25. The Bible says, And there shall be signs in the sun and in the moon and in the stars and upon the earth distress of nations with perplexity, the sea and the waves roaring. And look at verse 26. Men's hearts failing them for fear and for looking after those things which are coming on the earth. For the powers of heaven shall be shaken. And then shall they see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. I want you to get that we are living at the time of the end. I'm going to give you a little bit of biblical uh, uh, doctrinal mathematics to support this, but you've got to understand that we are living in earth's last days. Now, there are folk who think, well, you know, we've been saying that for 2,000 years, and Adventists have been saying it for over 140 years, but let me tell you that tonight I will show you that things are changing, and from a prophetic standpoint, the world is, has never been in the position it's in today. I think Sunday night is when I'm going to do this, the, the, the message on, on um, sexual purity. You don't want to miss that night. And I can tell you that the way the whole world looks at sex and gender has completely done a flip-flop in the last probably five to ten years. But it was prophesied. Let's go to the book of Daniel. Daniel chapter 12 and verse 1 says, And at that time shall Michael stand up, the great prince which stands for the children of your people. And there shall be a time of trouble such as never was since there was a nation, even to that same time. And at that time thy people shall be del delivered, everyone that shall be found written in the book. Wr written in which book? The book of life. Verse 2. And many of them that sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, and some to everlasting life, and some to shame and everlasting contempt. If, if the dead are going to be raised at that last day, they can't be in heaven now. Verse 3. And they that be wise shall shine as the brightness of the firmament, and they that turn many to righteousness as the stars forever and ever. Let me tell you something, Northern Caribbean University. That verse is describing you. This is the aspiration God has for every student at this school. It is the aspiration that you will be wise and shine as the brightness of the firmament and that you will turn many to righteousness as the stars forever and ever. Let me tell you something. I was in, I forget where I was. I was in, I was in some remote like Montana or North Dakota, some place in America where you don't even find black people. And I saw, I, I ran into a black pastor and I said, what are you doing here? And when he opened his mouth, it was a Jamaican. I said, how did you find yourself in cowboy country? He was there preaching this great gospel unabashed in a corner of the world where you would never think he would go. I've seen this in Europe. I've seen it in Africa. I have seen from this little 
island where people remark the fact that you have the greatest sprinters in the world and you have the, some of the greatest cricket players in history like my brother Courtney. You've got some great folk who have come through this place. But I tell you what, they pale in comparison to what Jamaican preachers are doing all around the world. You have a calling on you, young people. Verse 4. But thou, O Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book, even to the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall be increased. Then I, Daniel, looked, and behold, there stood other two, the one on this side of the bank of the river, and the other on that side of the bank of the river. And one said to the man clothed in linen, which was upon the waters of the river, How long shall it be to the end of these wonders? And he, you know, he says, he noticed that he says, listen, when the time of the end comes, you're going to see knowledge increase. Many run to and fro. Then the one gentleman on the side of the river says, when will the end come? Verse 7 says, and I heard a man clothed in linen, which was upon the waters of the river, when he held up his right hand and his left hand unto heaven, and swear by him that lives forever and ever, that it shall be for a time, a times, and a half. And when he shall have accomplished to scatter the power of the holy people, all these things shall be finished. But I heard, and I heard, but I understood not. Then said I, O Lord, what shall be the end of these things? I want you to get that that time, time, and a, and a half of times will tell us exactly when the last days began. You don't have to say, they've been saying Jesus is coming soon for 2,000 years. There is actually a date at which the end of time began. We're going to show you that tonight and then show you how this thing is playing out. Daniel 12 and verse 9 says, And he said, Go thy way, Daniel, for the words are closed up and sealed till the, end of the, uh, till the time of the end. Now here's what's interesting. The book of Daniel has never been properly understood until the Millerite movement of the early 1800s. It was sealed and it did not open ex until exactly when the Bible says the time of the end would begin. Verse 10, many shall be purified and made white and tried, but the wicked shall do wickedly, and none of the wicked shall understand, but the wise shall understand. Let me tell you something, young people. You're going to go through times of trial, times of difficulty, in order to be purified. That's what's going to, that's what, that's where we're heading. And what I want this week for you to get out of, uh, one of the things I want you to get out of this week is to gain the ability to endure, to understand that Christianity is not a social organization. Christianity is something that you commit to and that you grow in. And one of the evidences of that is character growth. Now, let me show you. Here's a list of the, all the things from that, that text. It shows you that there's going to be a time of trouble in verse 1. It tells you that knowledge is going to increase. It gives you a definitive time prophecy as to when the time of the end is. It speaks to Daniel's prophecy being unsealed. And like I said, that didn't happen until the Millerite movement of the eight, early 1800s. It says that trials will come to purify, that the wicked will do wickedly. In fact, uh, the Bible is hinting here that whoever's around at the end of time will live when the world is at its most wicked in history. Then it says, the wise will understand. 
So I'm going to quickly go through this because I know you get, many of you have gotten this in Daniel Re and Revelation seminars, but let's look at it really quick. When does the time of the end actually begin? I hope you guys can see some of those slides. Well, it begins at the end of the time, times, and a half a time. And this time period is mentioned uh, many times in Scripture. I can't see the screen now, so I don't know if it's changing or not. Um, uh, mentioned seven times, Daniel 7, 25, Daniel 12, 7, Revelation 12, 14, uh, Revelation 11, 2, and 13, 5, Revelation 11, 3, and Revelation 12, 6. And it's listed each time how it comes. So sometimes it's called the 42 months, sometimes it's called the 1,260 days, and sometimes it's a time of times and a half a time. And again, I, I don't want to get too deep into this because we could spend all night just going over this. But Daniel 7, 25 says, And he shall speak great words against the Most High, and shall wear out the saints of the Most High, and think to change times and laws. And they shall be given into his hand until a time of times and the dividing of times. And this is speaking of the papal power that would come into existence um, at, uh, for that 1260-year period. John the Revelator speaks to it again, Revelation 12, 6. And the woman fled into the wilderness where she hath a place prepared of God, that she should feed her there a thousand two hundred and threescore days. And there you get the same exact time period. Revelation 13, 5 says, And there was given unto him a mouth speaking great things and blasphemies, and power was given unto him to continue forty and two months. And if I had the time, I would break down how this has transpired in history. Um, and you can see here that it was in 538 A.D. So you get a little history lesson on this. Uh, Vigilius ascended the papal chair. Um, if you go back to Justinian's code, write that down. Justinian's code that said, unless you became a Catholic Christian, you, uh, you would be labeled a lunatic um, and they would come after you. And at 538 A.D., the laws changed and the papal power took over. And we know that if you add 1,260 years to that, you get all the way to the year 1798. Now, I'm giving you all of this as background. The papacy decreed power began in March of 538, and it ended February 15, 1798. If you want to know that you can trust your Bible, these prophecies are given so you know you can. Because exactly 1,260 years later, just as the prophecy said, the papal power hit a roadblock, the, the, the revelation says, the beast was wounded. And I tell you all of that to tell you that that is when the end of time began. Now, I must flip through some of these, so if someone's up there helping me, uh, just know that that's what I'm doing. I can't really see where I'm at at all. Um, so the, it's, it's symbolized a lot of different ways, um, but this is the one I want to get to. So in 1798, the French general Berthier proclaimed the political rule of the papacy at an end. So another law came in. The papal rule ended exactly 1,260 years after it started. So, to make the point here, the deadly wound was the end of the union of church and state and the establishment of republics as a principal way world powers would be governed. In 1798, the end of time began. Now, let me tell you something. 
That deadly wound, the Bible tells us, is going to be healed. And if you are not paying attention to politics in the United States of America, you are missing that right now they are working to he not only heal the wound, which when the Pope visited the United States a few years back and addressed both houses of Congress, that was a clear sign that the wound has been healed. But more importantly, there are those working right now in the United States to do away with the separation of church and state. I hope you guys are hearing this. There are people at work right now, and recently, some of the uh, Supreme Court victories for the religious right are being touted as the fodder and the traction to end the separation of church and state. What happened recently? One, they overturned Roe v. Wade. And a lot of Christians celebrate that, but we are told that around that issue, would they would rally to further push for the separation of church and state, and ultimately a Sunday law. And later in the week, we'll get down into that a little bit more. The end of time has come, and their work is underway right now for that to happen. Now, let me show you. This is, this is just a nice uh, overview picture of the, of the time of the prophecy. It shows you how the whole thing works. Now, let me show you that God uses history and the advancement of technology to let you know that exactly what he said in his word is true. Now, I'm doing this for two reasons. One of them is I want you to understand the prophecy and why everything we're going to talk about during this week of prayer is so relevant, because we are at the time of the end. And let me tell you something. One of the biggest misconceptions is that you must get ready for Jesus' second coming. No, nope, you can't get ready for the second coming. You must be ready for the close of probation. And a lot of folk think they're going to wait until they see certain signs and then they'll start getting ready. So that's the first thing. But I also want you to know you can trust your Bible. And the prophecies tell you you can trust your Bible. So let me give you, what I, give you an example. I can't see the, the screen, but I can uh, to point out the part. But I want you to look and see that right at 1798, right when the Bible says the time of the end would come, when Daniel in Daniel chapter 12 uh, tells us that at the time of the end, knowledge would increase, I want you to notice that the graph shoots up. Now, the graph is talking about the, the difference in, 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 in income and, uh, uh, um, uh, and inequality because of these technological advances. But I want you to look at an objective uh, piece of information that says, yes, right around 1798, the Industrial Revolution began, Right when the time of the end would come, just as Daniel said, knowledge increased. That's not a coincidence. This is exactly what the Bible said would happen. And you can see it went from the general industrial revolution to the age of the, stream, uh, the, the, uh, the train and railways, all the way to the automobile, all the way to the computer, where we are now, right? In fact, if you don't believe that graph, there's a whole other one that does the same exact thing. This is from the printing press to the global internet, Technology has evolved. And you notice that it starts 1760. So right around 1798, just as Daniel said, knowledge began to increase. In fact, we are in a place now, young people, where the technology is beginning to get frightening. There are those who are worried because of artificial intelligence. Have you guys, have you guys been seeing this? They can actually take your face, go on your Facebook, take your face, create a, 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 a computer-generated image of you, take you, just a few words from your voice, and actually have your face and your words saying and doing things you never did or said. 
But here's what the world is saying. One of the most important things happening right now is also the worry over climate change. And I have a picture of a young lady here holding a sign that says, we don't have time. There is a fear around climate change, and there's some things really happening in the environment, don't get me wrong. But the world is aware that the world is coming to, people in the world are worried about the world coming to an end, and people who are Christians, who are supposed to be reading their Bibles, are not worried at all about it. Isn't that interesting? So you got people, listen, if you go to America, they, we, all the time they have these protests, people marching um, to, to protest all kinds of things to protect the environment. Um, but Christians who actually know why the world is coming to an end don't seem to worry about it. You know who else is worried about the, the time coming to an end? The devil himself. Look at Revelation chapter 12 and verse 12. Therefore rejoice, ye heavens, and ye that dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and of the sea, for the devil has come down unto you having great wrath, because he what? Because he knows he has what? A short time. Now I want you to get this, young people. The devil is worried because he has a short time, and some of us act as if we have all the time in the world. Jesus tells us what will happen when the time of the end comes. You go to Matthew chapter 24, and verse 3, it says this. And as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him privately saying, Tell us, when shall these things be, and what shall be the sign of your coming and of the end of the world? The disciples were concerned. Jesus had just told them that he just, told, he just walked out of the temple and said, I leave your house until you're desolate. Then he said, not one stone of the temple would be left on the other. The disciples were panicked. When will all of these things happen? Look at Matthew 24 and verse 6. It says this, And ye shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that ye be not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. I want to submit to you that this prophecy has been fulfilled. At least one, look, look, look at this. At least 108 million people were killed in wars in the 20th century. Estimates for the total number killed in wars throughout all of human history range from about 150 million to 1 billion. That's the best they can do. Now, I want to show you an interesting fact about the country where I was born. It says that the United States has been at war 222 out of 239 years. Did y'all get that? An interesting statistic. America has been at war 93% of the time. Another way to put it, the United States has only been at peace for less than 20 years total since its birth. This is the second beast of Revelation chapter 13. If you don't understand this prophecy, you can get caught up in the trappings of what America offers and miss out on eternity. In fact, Jesus goes on. He describes some interesting things. He says, Matthew 24 and verse 7, For nation shall rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom, and there shall be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in diverse places. All these things are the what? They're just the beginning of sorrows. 
Did you get that? It's just the beginning. What you see happening in the world today is just the beginning. <laughs> it's going to get worse. And, and if you can't stand up for Jesus now, you're in trouble. How do we know that something's changed? I want to show you, I'm a scientist, so I like to show you um, independent data to back up what the scripture says. So look at this. If you look at this graph here, this graph is the graph that shows you um, magnitude six and eight, um, deadly and destructive earthquakes. Now, I want you to notice that when you look at this graph, how it comes out as we come, as we get later in time, how the graph shoots up and the impact of earthquakes. It's funny, I didn't know there was an earthquake in Jamaica just last week. Earthquakes in diverse places. But it's something else Jesus says. He says that nation shall rise against nation. The word for nation in the Greek is the word ethnos. It's the word from which we get the English word ethnicity. And I want to show you that in fact, the racial tension in the world was prophesied by Christ Jesus uh, when he was giving this message in Matthew chapter 24. In America, where the civil rights laws were passed in the mid-1960s, America is more racially divided today than she has been probably in the last 60 years. It is, a, a, it, it is literally getting frightening as people polarize around racial differences. But this was prophesied. And let me tell you something. I'm going to show you this as we go, a little later on. But as, we go, as you go deeper into these prophecies, this is literally where spiritualism is going to slip in. Something new on the horizon in America is something called Christian nationalism. Have you heard of this? And there are, there's a movement to make America go back to the way she was. And some of you know that that may not be good for everybody in America. Amen? But when you look at it, if you graphically lay it out, the current world in crisis is highlighted in Matthew chapter 24 and when it comes from Christ. We are in a time of great trouble because this is what happens next. Young people, this is what happened next. This is what you must be prepared for. In Matthew chapter 24 and verse 9, the scripture says, Then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted and shall kill you, and you shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. And then shall many be offended, and shall betray one another, and shall hate one another. Then Jesus says this. And many false prophets shall rise, and shall do what? Deceive many. And look at verse 12. And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. This is where we are. Iniquity is abounding. And I'm going to show you proof of that in a minute too from medical literature and, and data. But the, and I'm also, I'm also going to show you the proof that the love of many has waxed cold. I heard someone in the prayer mention um, criminality. And unfortunately, um, Jamaica has, you know, a lot of people think of Jamaica, they think of crime. Let me tell you something. There's, no, there's just as much crime almost everywhere else in the world. Because tell me tell you something. When you take a job in the United States, when you go to do your orientation, you know what they train you for? Mass shooter training. Did you know that? 
They te- when you first day at work, they tell you what to do if someone comes into the building and just starts randomly shooting people up. Let me show you that that's prophetically is actually happening. This is a graph of the mass shootings in the United States. I could show you one of homicides in the world as well to show the criminality, but this one really makes the statement that something, and I hope young people you're getting what I'm saying, it's not just, the Bible prophesied it, but the data in the world shows that something is changing. Whether it's the earthquakes, whether it's the mass shootings, something is changing. God's spirit is being withdrawn from this planet. Things are getting worse. And if you're not getting ready, you are going to be in the worst kind of trouble. If you're not taking your walk with Jesus seriously, you may wake up one day to try and get right and it will be everlasting too late. Because guess what? We are in the crisis of now. And I'm going to give you a few, again, a few things to kind of show you where we are and then end by giving you some words of encouragement here. Uh, the first one I want to show you is the calamities. So we now know that calamities are happening. So remember Jesus said, earthquakes in diverse places. We know that they're getting worse. And so the death toll from earthquakes in Turkey and Syria earlier this year surpassed how many people? 50,000 people, um, including 45,968 deaths in Turkey and 7,259 in Syria. This is, this is staggering numbers. In fact, earlier this year, there was a, a, an earthquake in Morocco. Hard for me to see if it's clicking or not. And the Moroccan earthquake, 2,900 people died. Now, there was also an interesting calamity in Libya, where the flooding in Libya, the death toll soars, went to over 11,000 people. This all just happened this year. One of the signs of the end, one of the things that's going on to tell you something's happened. And Sister White, the spirit of prophecy, she says that these things will happen and they are a warning to the people of God. You are being warned. Now watch this. You go back to Boxing Day, now, if I go most places in America, I preach and say Boxing Day, they won't know what I'm talking about. But I know you guys know what I'm talking about. 2004, this tsunami happened and over a quarter of a million people died in a day. This is one that shows you, this, again, I'm just showing you that the prophecy of the scripture is matched by the data of what's happening in the world. This one shows you, and I can't see, but this one is increase in more powerful storms. And you can look at this and see that what they're trying to show you is that the number of mild hurricanes are decreasing. The number of strong hurricanes are increasing. They say because the temperature of the water is rising. I lived in California for 20 years. I never heard of a hurricane coming to California. A hurricane came to California this year. They say it's the first time in recorded history California was bracing for a hurricane. Look at what the spirit of prophecy says. Ellen White says this. From the spirit of prophecy, volume 4, page 407. 
while appearing to the children of men as a great physician who can heal all their maladies, speaking of Satan, he will bring disease and disaster until populous cities are reduced to ruin and desolation. Even now he is at work in accidents and calamities by sea and by land, in great conflagrations, in fierce tornadoes and terrific hailstorms, in tempests, floods, cyclones, tidal waves and earthquakes, in every place and in a thousand forms is Satan exercising his power. Let me tell you something, if it gets worse than that, I don't know if that clicked, but let me read the next paragraph. He sweeps away the ripening harvest and famine and distress follow. He imparts to the air a deadly taint and thousands perish by the pestilence. These visitations are to become more and more frequent and disastrous uh, destruction will be upon the inhabitants of the world. The beasts of the field will groan and the earth will languish. Let me tell you something because people ask, why does God allow these terrible things to happen? Because of freedom of choice, because of the dynamics of the great controversy, Satan, the prince of this world, the prince of the air, has gotten power, and he is why all of these things happen. And you know what Ellen White says after this? I didn't quote it, but I, I'll just mention it. When the world sees all of these catastrophes, they are going to say that the reason they're happening is because of the people of God. The next big thing, the end time that you need to be worried about in a world in crisis is the rise in spiritualism. This is Time Magazine back in 1972. They had a, our, our, the, the Time Magazine cover, the occult revival. This is something we are seeing big in the United States. This is an article, Why Paganism and Witchcraft Are Making a Comeback. Former Christian nations are now becoming nations of atheists, and witches. America and England, I was preaching in the, uh, in, in the United Kingdom in London and he took me to the um, British Union office and I was doing a morning devotion and they, they, somebody, one of the pastors pulled me aside and he said, uh, Doc, do you know that in London for every Christian there are 30 witches? For every Christian pastor there are 30 witches. I said, whoa. He said, and on the weekends, Friday and Saturday night, the witches come together and they spend the night in prayer to the devil, praying for the destruction of the Christian churches. I said, that's terrible. Because some of us can't get in prayer for five minutes together. And they are praying all night for our destruction. I don't have time to read through all of this, but this is from that article. She says, I am one of a million plus Americans who, who whether proudly, secret, or dabbling through the power of consumerism, this goes back to Harry Potter and Marvel comic books, that's what this is talking about here, practice some form of witchcraft. Witchcraft includes Wicca, paganism, folk magic, and other New Age traditions. Is one of the fastest growing spiritual paths in America. What you call obia in Jamaica, and they call Santeria in some of the other islands around here, and voodoo on some of the islands, has now become mainstream in America. We were coming back from Havana, Cuba. I preached in Cuba. And my wife were on a plane, and all these people come on the plane dressed in complete white. Like, the whole, like 20, 30 people, mostly white Americans, come on the plane. And we're saying, what in the world? They're in these robes, and they're white. And someone told us they have come to the island to learn voodoo. 
to become voodoo masters and go back to the United States and teach this stuff all over the United States. This thing is getting big. Look at what she says. She says, Wicca began to be practiced in America in the 1960s by, I want you to look at who does this. Feminists, environmentalists, and those seeking a non-structured spirituality. It was a largely underground movement, but commercial books about witchcraft published in the 1980s and 90s, productions like Charmed and the Craft, the TV shows, created a surge of interest in youth with the ability to find communities online, and the look at this, and the decline in affiliation with traditional religions, witchcraft began its entry into the mainstream. I've had people, I've had patients tell me that they're going to put a spell on someone they want to fall in love with them. So good luck with that. My brother works in um, one of the prisons in Florida. And he tells us this story about a young man who got caught up in the Haitian gang in, 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 in Miami and he tried to put a spell on somebody else. And, the, and instead of him putting a spell on the person, the spell came on him. My brother tells the story of how the, when he looked into the cell where this young man was and the ceilings were high because he was in a, a cell where they, they, to try and prevent suicide. My brother and the nurse looked into the cell and they could see the boy bouncing around on the ceiling of the cell. And the, and, the, and the doctor said, no, you must, he was just high. That's how he did it. When they tested him for drugs, there was no drugs in the boy's system. When my brother, later on, the boy was back in his right mind, my brother asked him, what happened? How were you doing that? He told him the fact that he went to the voodoo priest to try and put a spell on someone else, and it backfired. Got to know what you're playing with. All right. I want to show you something else because I know Beyonce is so popular. But I want to show you that this, this occultism is really spreading and spreading fast. And so this is Beyonce's song, Church Girl. I'm going to read you the lyrics to her song. I would never play it, but I'm going to read it. She, and this is, she, she sampled the Clark sisters' old gospel song where they say, talk about being centered in the will of God. And she says, this is Beyonce's lyrics, Ooh, ooh, I want to be centered. I want to be centered in your will. Then she says, I'm warning everybody, soon as I get in this party, I'm going to let go of this body. I'm going to love on me. Nobody can judge me but me. I was born free. Now look at what she says. Look at the last line, church. Bad girl acting naughty. Church girl, don't hurt nobody. Now you know that this is a cult because she's levitating in a building that looks like a church. Can y'all see? I hope you guys can see that. And that is black, these candles burning and black crosses in the background. This is Obia. Mainstream. You ever see somebody levitating church? If somebody started levitating in church, most black people would run. They would not stay in church. People start levitating, floating around in the church. But I want you to see where it gets scary. This is what one of the popular magazines wrote, a, a journal article. They said, Beyonce's church girl has black Christian women going, that's me. They want the destruction of the church, specifically the destruction of the black church. I'm going to show you just some of the other stuff. This is Billie Eilish and her, her song, um, Good Girls Go to Hell. She talks about having her own Lucifer. Let me warn you, if your child or if you know somebody listening to Billie Eilish, stop 
Look at these lyrics to Billie Eilish. And some, hopefully y'all don't even know who this woman is, but listen to the lyrics. Step on the glass, staple your tongue. Staple your tongue? Bury a friend. Try to wake up. Cannibal class. This is what they sing to young people. Then it says, killing the son, bury a friend, I want to end me. We're going to talk about youth suicide and its rise in the United States. But this is the kind of demonic song. And I'm just giving you a touch of some of my seminar stuff. Just, just, just demonic. And why is it like this? Because the modern media, when, in Revelation chapter 12, when, when the dragon could not get to the woman, the Bible says that out of the mouth of the dragon came a flood. You remember that? It is through Hollywood that this flood is being poured out now. So you have shows like Lucifer, movies like Black Panther. You have all these black people in America proud of Black Panther, talking about some Wakanda forever. I have to tell them sometimes there's no place called Wakanda. It's make-believe. And what it's doing is teaching basically voodoo. Yet our people are caught up in all of this stuff. In fact, at the, one of the award shows, what Sam Smith had his whole satanic mass and CBS tweeted that they were ready to worship. CBS is one of the big three uh, TV networks in the United States, the Continental Broadcasting System. And they tweeted that they were ready to worship. And when Sam Smith came on stage, he did a satanic mass. This is what young people are seeing. And I wish I had time, but I'm just going to touch on this. Because the Bible says that, that men's hearts will fear, the powers of heaven will be shaken. Ellen White warns us that the devil is going to use um, some things to get to people in the last days. And what is the big thing in the States now is this rise of UFOs. Have you guys been watch, following this? Congressional hearings with people saying that they've seen the UFOs and that America has the UFOs and even parts of aliens. This, I mean, I, 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 I've, been, I've, been, I've been talking about this a lot. I, didn't, I wasn't much into it until I saw the congressional hearings. America, the Jesuit Review, the Jesuit Review, this is a Catholic Jesuit paper. It says this, UFOs are back in the news and Catholics are ready to deal with any theological questions on alien life. What? The Bible is pretty clear. There's no aliens coming from anywhere to earth. But look at what they said. This is one of the Jesuit um, guys. He says... Um, when asked if he would be willing to be baptized, to baptize an alien, Jesuit brother Guy Consalmagno said, only if she asked. You know what's funny? The Pope said the same thing, that he would, he would baptize the alien. But let me say this, church. This rise in aliens is, the pre, is, is really setting the stage for great demonic deception. For Satan to come as an angel of light. And because we've been watching E.T. and Star Wars and Star Trek all these years, most of us have been pre-programmed to believe that alien life can come to earth despite the fact that physics and the laws of physics say that is impossible. So the demons are going to step forward. Look at what Ellen White says. She says, fearful sights of a supernatural character will soon be revealed in the heavens in token of the power of miracle-working demons. The spirits of devils will go forth to the kings of the earth and to the whole world. Do you, young person, know what you believe? Are you ready for the deception that's about to come on the earth?
Because the third thing is the fall in morality and increasing secularism. This is one of the big things. And we're going to talk, when we talk about sexual purity um, in a couple of nights, I'm going to highlight this because this is one of the great ways that Satan is going to cause the ruin of young Christians. Sexual immorality. Second, and, and, you know, and some people think, well, I, you know, I'm not a member of the LGBTQ community, so I'm safe. No, you can, you can go into, into destruction <laughs> in, in being all the heterosexual you want to. Second Thessalonians 2.10, and, and with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish because they receive not the love of the truth that they might be saved. And for this cause, God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a what? A lie that they might be damned who believe not the truth but had pleasure in what? Unrighteousness. Now let me show you something. In America, we are watching the decline of the Christian church, that's the graph on the left, and the rise of what we call the nuns, N-O-N-E-S. That means they have no spiritual connection. And I come to Jamaica, we, go, we went to Brazil earlier this year, Belize, people are so Christian. But what, I, what God showed me is that when many are able to leave Jamaica, for example, and get to the United States, there are many that when they get to the United States, they become just like the Americans. And their spirituality begins to fail. I, I was just uh, I'm, I'm talking to one of the young ladies that works for me. She was born and raised here. She went to Pathfinder. She sang on the praise team right here on the island. Now she lives in Connecticut. And she's telling me how long it's been since she's been to church. How different her life is now that she's in America. Don't throw God away for earthly success. It's a bad deal. Because 2 Timothy 3 says this. This know also that in the last days, perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures, more than what? More than lovers of God. Look at verse 5. Having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. From such do what? From such turn away. You know what that power is? The power of the Holy Spirit to transform character, to have the character of Christ. And why is that happening? Because in America... In our public schools and even in some of our and in our universities, and unfortunately, sometimes it even creeps into some Christian schools. We have taught people that they that they evolved from from lower beings. That it was a primordial sludge, and there was a somehow some somehow some way amino acids wound up in that sludge, and somehow some way those amino acids formed proteins, and somehow some way those proteins formed uh, little one-cell organisms, and some it's incredible. Because then that one cell organism becomes a multi-organ organism that grows flippers or feet or wings. But if there's no God, then there's no purpose. Without purpose, the human unravels. This is what many secular psychologists are now saying is why the mental health crisis in the United States is so terrible. Because we have raised a generation of children without purpose. And so if you raise a generation without purpose, what happens is that if there is no God and then no purpose, 
then pleasure becomes the highest of all callings. And so you have a world where everyone is racing for, to find pleasure, to get drunk, to get high, to sleep around. Pleasure becomes the goal of life. And I want to show you that that backfires on a lot of people. As a doctor, this is one of the most terrible things I'm seeing. You see this rise in sexually transmitted infections? The people say in America, they say, what happens in Vegas? I had a patient tell me this. What happens in Vegas, doc? What I do in Vegas, it's going to stay in Vegas. I said, not herpes. Herpes coming back with you from Vegas. And when you come back to me with herpes, I'm not even going to be able to cure it. There's no cure for herpes. We are watching an epidemic of sexually transmitted infections in the United States of America. Even when people are supposed to be socially distancing during the pandemic, the numbers of sexually transmitted diseases went up. But the last thing, probably the most important thing for you to consider as we talk about the end time is the worry over fear. Luke 18 and verse 8 says, I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, shall he find faith on earth. You know how many Christians I meet now? They're afraid at a time of trouble. They're afraid of the end. They're afraid of this. I'm telling you that faith and fear cannot exist in the same place. In fact, in Luke chapter 21, Jesus warns us that men's hearts will fail them for fear. You know one of the number one reasons I see patients in my office? Anxiety and depression. It is literally fear. This is the mo one of the most prescribed class of drugs in America is anti-anxiety and, uh, and de anti-depressant drugs. But this is what the Bible says. We're not supposed to function like the world. 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 7 says, For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of what? And of a sound mind. Why are you not supposed to be afraid of the end time? Why should you be ready? Let me give you some reasons why fear just doesn't work. Do not be afraid is the counsel the Bible gives us. Here's what it says. Fear is a poor motivator. Fear cancels faith. And righteousness is by faith. So you can't be afraid and reach righteousness. Character is not developed in fear. Focus move, and when you're afraid, the focus moves to avoiding the threat rather than developing the character. And the paralysis of fear makes one an impotent worker. You will have no power to do the work God has for you if you live in fear. Here's what the, the spirit of prophecy says. The Acts of the Apostles, page 507. What the church needs in these days of peril is an army of workers who, like Paul, have educated themselves for usefulness, who have a deep experience in the things of God, and which, who are filled with the earnestness and zeal Sanctified, self-sacrificing men and women are needed, men who will not shun trial and responsibility, men who are brave and true, men in whose hearts Christ formed the hope of glory, and who with lips touched with holy fire will preach the word. She says, for want of such workers, the cause of God languishes, and fatal errors like a deadly poison taint the morals and blight the hopes of a large part of the human race. She says, 
as the faithful, toil-worn standard bearers are offering up their lives for truth's sake, and this is for you young people, who will come forward to take their place? Will our young men accept the holy trust at the hands of their fathers? Are they preparing to fill the vacancies made by the death of the faithful? Will the apostles charge be heeded, the call to duty be heard amidst the incitements to selfishness and ambition that allure our youth? This call is for you, young people. Everything I showed you tonight is to tell you, you live at the tipping point of eternity. God has sent you to Northern Caribbean University to hear the truth preached, to sing the songs of praises, to sharpen your mind because God does not want you to go into this world in fear. He wants you to be a victor. He wants you to be like David. And here is where you will collect your five stones so that you can go into the world and preach this gospel with great power as doctors and nurses, as lawyers, as teachers, as business people. You will set the world on fire for Jesus Christ. Last slide is this one. I don't know if my wife has an appeal song or not, but Matthew 24 and verse 27. As the disciples were on the boat, and a storm was raging. Je Jesus had left them and he went up into the mountain to pray because they wanted to crown him king. As Jesus, as Jesus goes to their rescue, my Bible tells me that Jesus comes walking on the water towards his disciples. When the disciples see that Jesus is coming, they become afraid. As they see him coming, they become afraid. And here are the words that Jesus gives his disciples that he's giving you today. Matthew 24, 27 says this. That's not Matthew 24, but the verse 27 says this. But straightway, Jesus spake unto them saying, be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. Young people, when you see the signs that I talked about, when you see the earthquakes, the destruction by storms, when you see the racial tension in the world, when you see the rise in sexual immorality, gender confusion, when you see the rise of wars and fights, when crime and murder, when you see the trauma and the traumatizing that is happening in the world, when you see people turning their backs on God and even on you, Jesus is walking on the water. He's about to leave the heavenly temple and make his way to earth. My God is about to send his son to retrieve us, redeem us in the greatest rescue mission the world has ever seen. And when you see the signs, what Jesus says is, be of good cheer. Did you get that? When these things are happening in the world, the Christian can be happy with it. Because they are the road signs that the world is coming to an end. Be of good cheer. It is I. Be not afraid. The world is in crisis. Young people, you don't have to be. Let the world be in crisis. But you be in Christ. This media was brought to you by Audioverse. 
a website dedicated to spreading God's Word through free sermon audio, and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.